Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 5, issue 248. You can play along with what little is left of Cane and Rinse volume 5. In 2016 we have just two more podcasts of this nature. Sound of Play uh, continues on and we may have some other little uh, treats and surprises, interviews and whatever else. But in terms of playing along with the show, the only two games you need to know about now are The Legend of Zelda, Phantom Hourglass and Bloodborne. And that's it. Head to canerince.com for articles, features, reviews, and all the links to stuff like our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our friendly, intelligent, and bustling forum. And if you enjoy what we do, you can support us. You can even support us financially through our Patreon, patreon.com slash It operates in the style of a virtual tips jar. Uh, an online donation plate, if you will. Uh, there's nothing, there's no rewards for giving us money, but nothing is uh, hidden from you for not giving us money. So that's how we operate it. And all the money goes into the production of the show currently. Um, and we're also saving some up for future projects, including hopefully one day a live event. That's the plan. But it's been the plan for a long time. So bear with us on that. We want to do it properly. Um, as an example, if we average just 50 pence, 50 cents, 50 euro cents per podcast download, we could make Cane and Rinse a full-time professional show, which would mean more and better shows and uh, more features, articles, reviews, more podcasts, uh, better research podcasts, more time put into them and everything. So just a little bit goes a long way. If you would rather to get something physical in return for your hard-earned cash, that you may wish to uh, put our way check out our shop at spreadshirt.co.uk just search cane and rinse on there and you can buy t-shirts and bags uh, there are cane and rinse ones and there are sound of play ones because sound of play is our other podcast it's all about video games music but we also have some interesting guests on there and it's not necessarily always just nine tracks in a row uh there's sometimes a good deal of chat and general video games discussion uh and sometimes a theme sometimes some curios and and whatever else so it's a it's a great way to get more cane and rinse related podcasting into your ears and you can get those from itunes pocket cast stitcher radio tune in possibly some of those other rss related things that uh, you android guys do uh, please review, rate, and subscribe, uh, either or both, preferably, of our podcasts on whatever service you retrieve us from, if that's the right terminology. Thanks for listening to that, <laughs> but on to the show. Joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 248 are Tony Atkins. Hello. And returning guest from Midnight Resistance and the Computer Game Show, it's Sean Bell. You're right. Hello, Sean. Thanks for coming back. And this was one, I think, uh, when it was mooted that we might cover MDK at some point. Uh, you quickly put your hand in the air. Yeah, when I, was, when I was shown the, um, the the magic spreadsheet. Oh, yes, of course. Which is yes. a bit like you know, mm. the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> it is. And your face falls yeah. off. Um, yeah. Yes, that was it was somewhere in the list and I yeah, shoved my name in just, you know, it, one day maybe that will happen. And then lo and behold, we yeah. went and did it. So, yeah. We did. Um, it seems to have been uh, greeted with more enthusiasm from uh, from us than from the wider public. We've had very little uh, community feedback for this one. I'm not sure why that is, but 
perhaps talking about the game will help us. Anyway, so Sean, uh, your history with the game, your enthusiasm for this, does it go back to, I mean, we're talking very, very nearly at the time of recording uh, 20 years. It's, it's about 19 and a half years since this game came out. So uh, you'd have been pretty young when this uh, launched on PC in April 97. I was, but I cheated um, in that I had an older brother who had a cool friend um, who was into weird PC games. <laughs> Um, yep. And you know, I, I don't know if either of you have older siblings, but you know, like I, I was that uh, annoying younger sibling who wanted to be into all the cool stuff that his older brother and all his mates <laughs> were into. Um, right. So I'd sort of generally hang around being a nuisance um, whenever his friends came around and just sort of try to absorb everything. Because you know, when you like when you're that age, when it's the jump from being 11 to being sort of 13, 14, there's like such a huge leap there, and sort of like in terms of sort of how culturally aware you're sort of starting mm-hmm. to become. Um, uh, not that you know, thirteen or fourteen year olds have any clue about anything, but more so than an eleven. But you think you do. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you know, we need bring around you know games like Toonstruck and stuff like that. And and yeah, and one of the games he brought around was MDK. And mm. I remember just like just absolutely having my mind blown. I mean, it's still an unusual game, sort of by modern standards. Never mind, you know, when you're so young, perhaps you've never even seen more so. Like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, yeah, it just seemed like this. It was just this completely sort of improbable, um, just insane thing that, like, I, you know, at the time I wasn't, I wasn't even assessing it on just how, on like, on how good it was to play. Like that, it wasn't even a concern. It was just the yeah. imagery and the the ideas mm. behind it just absolutely mm. blew my mind. Yeah. I think that's an important perspective. And and have you been back to it in? I have uh, uh, more a couple of times. times. Yeah, a couple of times. In fact, um, it's interesting going back. Um, and sort of going right. How do I set up a you know WASD control scheme for this? <laughs> oh God, yeah. Come I mean, we'll get. I, I assume that, we'll get yeah. onto that. You, you can We're going to talk about it. playing um, it today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I've been back a couple of times. Um, I think it, I, because it, it was one of the first games that was touted when uh, GOG.com, Good Old Games, yeah. first launched, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I remember that. It was really good, and like bought it immediately, and then yeah, and. I, Played through it again at the time, which, I mean, that was going back sort of maybe five, six years, um, and then sort of did half a playthrough um, just for this the other week. So, Cool. Yeah. Nice one. Tony, how about you? Do you remember this being around in 97? I do, but not on the PC. Uh, I wasn't a cool kid with a PC capable of running no. su- such a, a graphically intense game for the time. <laughs> um, it was demanding. Uh, my experiences with the PlayStation version, which... Yeah, it's fair to say it's probably an inferior version in its in its own right. But yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll talk a little about yeah. the the differences. Um, it's a it's a different version as yes, well in um, some ways. Yeah, and I mean, as you as you get older, your mind gets a, a little bit more fuzzy. So I was under the under the illusion that I'd actually uh, completed the game and playing through it for for this show. I I hadn't. Um, I, I know. Right. Yeah, I think it's I, very short. It is very short. Um, but then you know, I, I'm well, I would have been. 17 18 probably when i played it so you know yeah <laughs> in yeah, in one sure. ear out the other probably um yeah and i i got about halfway through i'd say on the playstation for what i i kind of could recollect of what mm. i played um and that made about sense so um i guess yes um i do have familiarity with this um from 20 years ago but i replayed it for the for this coming podcast um over the last week and uh yeah so now i can appreciate the full game and i played it on the pc uh primarily yeah. just because it 
it's, it's I mean it's easy enough to pick up a copy of MDK second hand to play on the PlayStation you know that's mm. that's not hard I've I've got the original hardware but it just you know the the jumping back to PlayStation original PlayStation games can be uh, quite a leap um you know it's not terrible looking but we'd we'll get on to that but it seemed easier just to yeah. pick a, a, a you know a steam version up um yeah you know 6 pounds get it running job done but um i did have some issues trying to get the the game running in the first place which i'm sure we're going into we will talk about that um, yes, but yes absolutely. so yeah familiarity on both sides but um primarily almost the reason i wanted to do this was purely because i love the art style um i remember mm. it back from obviously playing it on the playstation and uh, I, the imagery of that front cover still sticks me long after what i'd forgotten about the game um it's a great piece of artwork so um yeah not, not the greatest reason to want to do a game but i love the i always remember the art style and uh yeah so hence why it ended up here yeah, it's definitely, I think, um, one that would, uh, I don't think too many people would argue if you threw the phrase cult classic in its mm. direction, i.e. Mm. a game that was, you know, very well reviewed and loved by those who played it, but not necessarily bought and played by by many, many people. I go back to the Edge review um, in pro- yeah, around April 97, and it was a 9 out of 10. And I remember thinking, core that looks really cool and fun and they talked a lot about this sniper rifle technology that sounded really exciting um, back then remember this was six months before goldeneye which was probably the first time i got my hands on a working uh sniper rifle in a video game i i can't swear to that but uh um and I didn't buy it or play it. i didn't have a gaming pc until the early or very late 90s early 2000s um, the PS1 version, I think, I think it was a combination of factors why I didn't get around to playing it. I think I was quite aware that the PC version was the lead platform and it was a bit of a kind of, um, you know, technical tour de force. And it was a game that if you could experience in, in that way, then you would probably want to. Um, I certainly did play uh, console conversions of PC games. So it's not something that I, you know, I played those excellent versions of Quake 2 and things like that on the <laughs> N64 and the PS1, um, you know, and I was happy enough because they were fun to play. And and the, the, the reviews for the PS1 version of MDK were decent, but not, not as strong. And I think the other thing was that 1997 was uh, one of one of the most, astonishing years for releases um back in 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 the latter half and i think it probably because it came out later in the year i think it probably got swamped under things for me under things like goldeneye so um you know and then time went by and i didn't pick it up and then i eventually got a pc and i didn't pick it up so i've ended up playing it uh (laughs) finally getting around to playing it 19 years after it's released um as you said tony you can pick it up easily and cheaply on pc uh it's uh, I got it in a double pack with MDK2 in case we ever do that one, um, which is obviously an interesting sequel in that it's developed by Bioware rather than um, Shiny. Uh, so curious in its own right. I gather it's a, a, a more challenging game than the first one. Um, and it was, yeah, it was like six quid for the two. But I noticed in the run up to recording this show, it's been like 66% off on goodoldgames.com oh, at one pound, one pound ninety nine. So uh yeah. yeah so so you know regardless of of what we say about it good or bad um <laughs> you know it's a game that you can try out for yourself for you know very little money so um yeah so as i said shiny entertainment made this and this was um their first 
sort of branching out. Shiny Entertainment had only made two games before this as Shiny Entertainment. They, they were, of course, Earthworm Jim in 94 and its sequel the following year. Uh, they made those having made uh, games like Global Gladiators and Cool Spot and Disney's The Jungle Book and Disney's Aladdin on the Mega Drive um, in uh, in tandem with um, Virgin, Virgin Interactive. So uh, this, however, was published by Playmates, the toy company in America, and that's that ties into why the name is is what it is. Um, Interplay over here. Uh, and yeah, this so this was not led by the famous Dave Perry, the the tall Scottish one, uh, or Scottish Californian one, who was famous for those games like Aladdin and Cool Spot. Not to be confused with the diminutive, uh, balding, bandana wearing one who got the hump on Games Master <laughs> because uh, he thought it was unfair. That other people had played Super Mario sixty four and he hadn't. Uh, so, but actually, it was uh, one Nick Bruti. Uh, who led on this one, um, having read interviews with him, he was basically desperate to make something completely different to the 2D platformers they made before. Um, so they went to the PC where they could use the, you know, the newfangled 3D cards. Uh, he he was keen. I mean, it, you know, it is still fundamentally a platform shooter. In, in some ways, Earthworm Jim is not a million miles away. It's, it's in a 2D plane and it's more overtly uh, comedic and cartoony but there is loads of humour in MDK as we'll discuss uh, influences I suppose I'm um, chip in here if 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 I'm missing something or, or saying something that isn't right but I suppose it's a bit cyberpunky it's a bit Giga there's some sort of mm -hmm. HR Giga style uh, art especially the suit I mean the, the Kurt Hector himself who's a lead yeah. character looks very much like uh, an, a xenomorph an alien um but it's a, it's also a kind of weird mishmash, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more as we talk about the the tone and the humour and the levels. But it's it it feel it's a bit of a kind of um it's a it felt it feels like a, to me like a bit of a free for all of like you know what's fun will kind of throw it in here, but kind of mm -hmm. wrapped in this um, aliens versus humans uh, kind of Earth invasion mm. skin. Um, but even the fact that the levels are set in these really weird, obscure little places for the most part. I mean, Laguna Beach, I guess, is probably a more of a big deal. But Linfield is is one of the villages <laughs> that they they attack. That is that is I go I go through it regularly on 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 uh, on, on trips for work. It's a very small, uh, quaint, you know, um, very Sussexy, uh, conservative little village. And uh, and I yeah, it must be the only game in which Linfield appears, uh, as far as yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, the pl the so. towns themselves don't appear as such, do they? No, no they don't. No, they're no. just names. No. But we'll yeah, just we'll, spots on the map. To that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like, in terms of who worked on this, I think the interesting thing for me is that so obviously Earthworm Jim one and two are fantastic, and again, sort of you know really imaginative and creative and just generally odd. Um. But we now, you know, there's the sort of retroactive shame that they were worked on by Doug Tenaple, who we now know has some pretty unfortunate political views. Um, whereas this was, you know, this was Shiny's first sort of original thing without him involved. And, I think, yeah. and it's mm. just really nice that it retains that inventiveness and that imagination. Um, but yeah. as far as I'm aware, with nobody who... Um, we now know is a fairly repellent human being <laughs> mm. so um yeah mm. and i just think it's it's cool that they were able to go from earthworm jim and lose the guy who created those characters and that world and everything but still come up with yeah. something equally like you know on a level with that 
Yeah. So, uh, yes, we should say Doug Tenaple left uh, Shiny at this point and went to work on The Neverhood, which was mm. by The Neverhood. That was the name of the company as well, I think, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. they recently made another um, sort of spiritual successor to that, uh, of which there is a review on our blog. Um, and also the, the other interesting name, um, the three designers uh, on the game were Nick Bruti, as I mentioned, Tim Williams, and the other, the third, who's also an art, uh, artist on the game, along with Nick Bruti, is Bob Stevenson. And I don't know if I was aware of this at the time that he worked on it, but he was a bit of an 8-bit legend, Bob Stevenson. He was a man who made graphics on the Commodore 64 that looked kind of impossible. He, he was famous for uh, drawing title screens on games like um, Thrust and Druid oh, wow. uh, and Mega Apocalypse. Uh, but then after having done these brilliant title screens, um, when uh, Imagine, uh, the Ocean label, not the original Imagine, um, when they converted Konami's Salamander to the Commodore 64 or Life Force as it's known elsewhere, or it's a different version depending on anyway, it's a, one of my favourite horizontal slash vertically scrolling shooters. And he did the art, he did the pixel art for that conversion. Mm-hmm. And then he did the art for a game called IO, which was an original um, scrolling shoot up I can't remember which label it came out on IO, but it was, uh, again, it was like... It, he had a way of making pixels somehow look smaller and more refined and more colourful than other artists on the Commodore 64 managed to do. He had a real, he had some some technical whiz, uh, and he went on um, to work on the the Mega Drive games like the Terminator um, and Robocop versus the Terminator, as well as those uh, 2D platformers. So uh, you know, and and let's not. I know, I know Aladdin, where Disney actually provided some of the animation and stuff but the art in all those games that we all those 2d games that we mentioned um i think was pretty special incredible looking still look incredible as well yeah possibly i would say maybe age better than than the game we're talking about here in terms of visuals (laughs) uh animator was sean nelson and uh, apparently there was an attempt to uh use motion capture um, they had uh, Tim Williams in a in a motion capture suit trying to do the Kurt Hectic thing, but in the end, the results were so poor that they went back to uh, keyframe animation. It's an interesting piece of tech in the game, uh, and I think it probably stands out even more now than it may maybe would have done then. But apart from the uh, 3D into the screen sections, the tunnel and the drop into each stage, uh, your character is a bitmapped. Um, sort of sprite i suppose is you know in 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 common parlance whereas everything else is polygons uh the music is by tommy tallarico who'd also worked uh with shiny before on Mm. earthworm jim and other things and as i say the game came out in april 97 first on the pc and you needed a mighty pentium 300 megahertz to play it and 64 megabytes of ram uh you needed dx7 you needed 650 megs uh free on your hard drive um it would not uh launch on a 486 this game would not launch on a non-pentium chip this was a i've got a uh, a brand new shiny pc and i'm gonna run this game on it uh it, yeah it, they were not mucking about with this stuff um it was by default in 640 by 480 pixels. Uh, I think that means that the PS1 version was probably lower resolution than that. There was a Mac port by a team called Shockwave. Um, 
And the PS1 version, we'll talk about that now. So uh, Neversoft did the port. It was based on the engine they'd made for a game called Big Guns, um, which I don't think ever came out. So we're talking two years before Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series here. Um, so the game was uh, rebuilt basically um, mainly, you know, from the ground up, although it is, it, the, the levels are largely similar, but in, in the style that you will have seen in other ports from PC to console in this era, there were, you know, compromises uh, uh, and changes. There were lower, lower res and different textures. The end of level sequence uh, was missing. And there's a recent, very recent um, Digital Foundry retro on these. And I know some people are very sort of against the Digital Foundry thing because of the sort of the, the, the comparing of, of minutiae over, over games and stuff like this. But the, there's an American guy who, uh, whose name I don't know, but he's doing retro stuff on Digital Foundry and it's really more of a celebration of the tech of mm. those games and, and the time in which uh, that they happened. But in this case, he compares the two versions and it's just interesting and historical point of view that particularly the thing that struck me was that the PS1 version's frame rate varies from, <laughs> from eight frames a second to 60 frames a second. <laughs> Whoa, that's a gamble. Yeah, that is that is a, a, a bit of a, a differential. However, so there are all those compromises on, on the PS1 version, but the audio, Tommy Tallarico's score, is completely uncompressed because it's in Redbook straight from the CD audio, straight from the master kind of thing, whereas on the PC, it's horribly compressed. Mm. <laughs> so... In uh, I don't know if there's a, I was looking for a mod or something to have the uncompressed sound now that we've got much bigger hard drives and faster processors and whatever, but um, I couldn't find anything like that. I imagine clever people could kind of make it, you know, kind of jury rig it for themselves to have the the uncompressed sound go in and change the files or something. Um, mm. But that's not my that's I not my bag. I think I did read somewhere that that could be done. Yeah, I, mean, I was look, looking for the patch for the piece, uh, the uh, Windows 10 version. Because I, mean, I have to say, yeah. That, so. yeah, I have to say, I thought that, you know, the audio as I think there's some, you know, there's some cool stuff in there and there's some there's some fun tunes and there's some dramatic sci fi 90s tunes. But on the PC version, on the Steam version that I played, it mainly sounded like ass because it was it's just horribly compressed. It's barely stereo. Mm. It's kind of. Well, this is because yeah. I think this is when did MP3s come about? I think I, mean, I think they, I think it existed at this time, but then obviously the CPU overhead in decoding it was probably a nightmare. Exactly, so I would, I would yeah. imagine the, the the music is just in like WAV files. It just yeah, just be. Yeah, it sounds so technically technically not compressed, but just at a hideously low bit rate. And yeah, right, like I say they're, they're sort of they're like sort of thirty second looping samples rather than the sort of yeah. yeah I, I don't know if it is, but it, at times it almost sounds like it's clipping, like it's it's over editing yeah. itself. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's quite yeah, it's quite off putting. But hey, it does. And um, yeah, there's one level. There's a le one of the levels, maybe four or five, uh, snowy level where there's just on. I mean, again, maybe it's hardware dependent, but I'm playing it on a on a you know pretty decent modern computer and there was just a kind of constant hissy farting noise while i was playing like that <laughs> yeah, was how yeah, it was I interpreting it's almost like um something yeah. was bleeding through like it shouldn't be like there was something up with yeah, the mic totally. oh yeah <laughs> I, yeah i'm glad that wasn't but just it makes me. you wonder like you must sort of despair as a composer or sound designer back in those days because you yeah. do every, you know you compose everything perfectly and you get an orchestra in to record it and then you know whoever's working on the game sort of goes right well we can't actually do that so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this 30 second clip and I'm going to reduce the bit rate on it um, so that it all sounds clippy and horrible <laughs> and that will have to suffice. 
<laughs> yeah, in a, in a similar fashion, we, oh, we talk about the, the ending um, cinematic, but incredibly compressed cinematic. You can ba- <laughs> barely work out what's what's being shown behind. I mean, it's just a limitation of, um, of hardware and platforms at the time. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, incredible. Uh, one thing that's been talked about uh, a lot is the name. And uh, it turns out, as I say, I think the the reason was, as I understand it, I've read this in a few places, that uh, it was MD, it was Murder, Death, Kill, um, mm-hmm. MDK at the start of development, um, which I think was a phrase popularised in the Stallone, is it Stallone? Demolition Man? Yes, because I remember, remember watching yeah. Demolition Man and being like, ah, that's yeah. what it stands for. <laughs> so I guess mid-90s film. Um mm. Yeah, uh, it was around around the same time anyway, and it was mm-hmm. it was one of the one of the because it was sort of comedy sci fi, and it was one of the crimes, wasn't it, that you could uh, yeah. you could be you could be punished for was murder, death, kill. I think that was it. Um, but then Playmates wanted to make a line of toys because they were publishing this game, so they wanted to make toys based on the game, which seems kind of funny. I mean, there are some sort of comedy aliens and a comedy dog in it and stuff. Um, but looking at Kurt Hectic himself, it's not doesn't really look Did like a kid's toy. Did they ever get around to making the toys? <laughs> I don't know. I that, that I have not researched that. Um, there, it wasn't I, a popular line. A, if they did, <laughs> I have a feeling that maybe they did make some some action figures for MDK. I remember it. Quite it like I a remember Kurt. them. He's a bit weird. <laughs> a bit well, definitely now it'd yeah. be a massive thing. Yeah, yeah. It's um, interesting, isn't it? Like looking uh, just on on Kurt in general, like. Mm. At the time, I certainly never saw anything sexual about it. Mm. But in mm. hindsight, it is, <laughs> it is sort of, especially for a game that came out in 1997, that is quite sort of transgressive, isn't it? <laughs> Basically yeah, he's a in a sort of bondage suit with a penis head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just impractical as well. But <laughs> Yeah, for both action and sex uh, yeah. in many ways. Um, but, you know, you've got a, a hands-free sniper gun, so, you know, I'm willing to forego physical interaction for... To have one of those on me at all times. Uh, I digress. Um, yeah, so uh, Nick Bruti actually um, put his own comment on the uh, the, the good old games uh, page uh, for Murder, uh, MDK, I should say, uh, allows uh, developers to chip in, and he's done exactly that. He says, hi, this is Nick Bruti, creator of the original MDK. Thanks for all the nice reviews, and there are lots of uh, nice reviews on, on good old games as well. Can't believe it's been so long since it was released. To answer a few questions, yes, the name did stand for Murder, Death, Kill. It was a temporary name that stuck, although I didn't like the actual meaning, so we came up with a bunch of other names to cover it up, so he's telling a slightly different story. Uh, the game was shorter than I wanted it to be. I had eight levels planned, but because we were being so diverse in each level, we just didn't have the time, so cut it to six. There was no work done on the missing two levels. I do wish we had released with a save game. Uh, I don't think the game is overly hard as much as abstract in places. Uh, we'll come on to that. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, and it, it does have a save game now, but it I guess it didn't have one at launch. Uh, I'll offer a spoiler warning, but frankly, the plot is complete nonsense and absurd and very, very generic and predictable. Where, unless you factor in the details, in which case it's anything but. Um, you'll follow me. Uh, when I tell you that on a good day, only 2.5 million people will die as vast alien mining cities suck the power and minerals from every major metropolis on Earth simultaneously, including places such as Kakoldi. Time is of the essence as millions of civilians are expiring by the second. Using your stealth parachute... And the now infamous zooming head-mounted sniper weapon, your task is to slip in undetected from the sky, 
uh, except they chuck loads of missiles at you during that sequence. Seek out and remove the alien leader by any means. Fully reactive, smart enemies think, listen, communicate in a calculated assault on your life. Think fast and act faster against the most sophisticated artificial enemy intelligence of its time. Hmm. The main objective of the game is basically shoot everything that moves and everything that means every alien you will come across. The one and only way to stop the alien invasion is to kill them all by any means necessary, such as the smallest nuclear bomb, surfboard-like jet or bomber plane. Your goal is simple, repulse the alien invasion and save the Earth almost single-handedly. Uh, there was an article, a, uh, a Games TM a retrospective on the making of MDK. You can seek that out. Uh, and... From that, we learn that MDK's plot, given Bruti's fondness for the genre, is classic old-school science fiction. The player controls the oddly named Kurt Hectic, a janitor in the employ of eccentric scientist Dr. Hawkins. Bob, Tim and I were watching the Mike Lee movie Naked, says Bruti. And there's a scene where David Thewlis is listening to this strung-out guy on the street. The man is talking incessantly, and Thewlis stops him to ask, What's it like in your head, Hectic? And for some reason, that line stuck with us. We went round repeating it for days. So when it came to naming our hero, it just popped up. Williams recalls how the hero got his first name. Bob and I had a character in another game called Kurt, who was named after Kurt Cobain. And since Kurt's life in MDK was pretty hectic, we put the two together. So uh, that plot scenario setting when Sean, going back to, to playing your your big brother's uh, copy of this mm. uh, as as a as a youngster was. You were saying it was the kind of the overall the 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 vibe, the look and feel, the the humor and stuff that that was kind of hooked you in. Um, how yeah. much were you? How much of this actual kind of backstory was that, or was it more the sort of what was going on in the game, what you were looking at on the screen? Um, initially, what was going on, yeah, but then sort of actually looking through the instruction manual, and there's like it's all just sort of weird, like diary diary entries from. The doctor um, from the doctor, yeah, mm. <laughs> and that I mean that helped, but it was more just you know, world's smallest nuclear explosion and stuff like that it was is hilarious when you're a teenager, um, and it was just like I say, it, it was sort of the the environments as well, mm. which was a which was a really big deal. I think I mean in terms of the plot and stuff, I think the the thing that really got me was. And I know this is later on the in the plan, but I'm <laughs> dropping it in now. The Don't time worry. limit, the time limit on each level. Um, yeah, and, I, I, <laughs> and the way I the manual. Know, I need to know more that. about that actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically, each level there's a time limit, and yes. most people you like you wouldn't even notice it's there. It's, there's a the little readout in the corner with your health on it and stuff. There's a green bar in it, and it's slowly, um, you know, uh, ticking down, draining yeah. away. Yeah, and. Um, Basically, yeah, the, the manual explains that what that is, <laughs> is that each, so each level in the game is one of these huge alien mine crawlers, which, um, as you are doing the level, is plowing through like a town mm -hmm. yeah. or, well, or as it is, <laughs> tiny village. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and that little green bar is how many people are left alive in the town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but it's just treated like the, you get like weird messages if it, if it reaches zero and it's always just like, so it's just strange things like yeah. What was the name of the village you mentioned at the start, Leon? Uh, Linfields. Yeah, yeah. Linfield, it'd be like yeah. no one's left alive in Linfield, or, or yeah, yeah, or like Bon Voyage. Whatever, you know, whatever. The name of the yeah, place. yeah. Say and, goodbye to Laguna Beach. I think is is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Cyan, yeah or just, you know, oh, by the way, yeah. And it's just like by the way, you took too long yeah. in bed. <laughs> so, so um, my curiosity about this was. Um, 
because what I did was I I played the played the game through once, and mm. uh, I think like two or three of the levels I managed to save the people, and two or three I, you know, mucked around too long, worked mm. working out puzzles or taking out the when there's a large battle arena, and so failed effectively but the game doesn't stop you just carry on and the story yeah. carries on is there yeah, any like a... reward for doing this no <laughs> not as far as i'm aware that's what um, i thought okay and that was sort of what got me in that it, i think i don't know like the age i was at i think that was like my first taste of just like dark humor basically <laughs> in that it was just like yeah here's a stupid on-screen message it sort of doesn't mean anything right. but also it's horrible <laughs> Um, it's purely remember... for self-satisfaction then to to go back through the game and and complete it, you know, within yeah, I don't the think part it, time I don't sort think, of thing. Yeah, I don't think it scores do, you in any way. Outside um, of the manual, do they actually draw any attention to that whatsoever? No, because <laughs> <laughs> but I think the way it's mentioned in the manual is like it's in like there's like an FAQ uh, in the manual, and, and it says like yeah, I keep seeing like weird messages on the screen. What do they mean? And it's like well, <laughs> it, this this is why. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's sort of really sort of brushed aside. So I, and I sh- again, I it's, it's feel... the sheer sort of callousness and lack of attention to it that sort of makes it what it is, I think. Yeah. Well, as somebody that didn't know in the manual, uh, I shouldn't feel yeah. uh, ashamed. I had no idea what that bar was or the messages <laughs> coming up on screen that was coming along with it. I just, <laughs> I was okay. It wasn't until it's I actually read the yeah. notes going, okay, right, I see. That makes sense now because I got those messages going, huh. Mm. I, I mean, assumed there the was going to of... be a second ending, you know. No, it's it's the total lack of regard for it that I think mm. gives it this strange, almost humorous edge. I I agree with you, but I I wondered. Yeah, so I assume there was a there was a there was a you know as is standard even in in many games like this. Um, it, you know sometimes it might just be something very trifling, but completing levels under what you know what is. Deemed to be the part time is normally rewarded in some way, whether it's score. This game has no scoring mechanism whatsoever, um, or uh, an extra end sequence, or a a vanity item, or something. But but it appeared to have nothing. I I did a little look, you know, a little searching around, and you know that all the talk of the end sequence is this one particular end sequence that we'll get onto. Mm-hmm. And so I was just a bit baffled. I just wondered if maybe there was originally going cut to be something Cut feature of some else. kind, yeah, maybe. Yeah, cut maybe. feature seems possible. Um so it's odd, yeah, and but then I suppose as you say Sean, it does sort of there's a lot of kind of um slightly dark but also slightly Yes, I suppose it's this weird. I think the thing that sticks with me about the game um, is that it it is full of slightly odd things. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's mm. like it's a weird, it's a weird amalgamation of seriousness and humor and daftness and non sequiturs, um, both mm. in terms of gameplay and in terms of. Um, uh, narrative and also the you know the connection between the two but actually at its heart it's a really it's quite a you know standard platform shoot 'em up with some mm. some fairly solid and, and i think um still quite uh you know playable to use a, a limp coverall term i <laughs> it's still it's it's still responsive it's still you know it's it's um the platforming you know still uh, uh, works basically it still functions even yeah, though 
I've never say no. for for no for a shoot, for a shooter that's yeah all but twenty years old. I have to say yeah I'm always slightly trepidatious about jumping into games like that because you you mm. never know you could really hit a brick wall like certain aspects. We we've had it before on the show. We have done yeah. um, that. Just you know played them but don't necessarily play now. And I have to say it was it's just really competent right the way through the game the the platforming mm. i mean i've played some terrible 3d shooter platforming in the past but actually <laughs> it fundamentally works perfectly fine there's, there's nothing to really complain about that you know the shooting there's just a, a few issues with but some of that's just mapping controls which <laughs> we can talk about um <laughs> yeah um no I, I, I know what you mean yeah it's just it's it's actually a very playable game even 20 years down the line so i, I have to imagine you know, back in in '97, the fact that it's mm. as, as playable as it is now would mean that it was, um, you know, a real kind of tight or taut shooter um, for '97. And I, I certainly remember that from the, my PlayStation One playthrough. I'm not sure why why I must have only got halfway through, but there must have been something. But equally, it, it feels very much. If I remember from that time period, it, it felt very much like this weird oddity PC game. You know, we have it now that certain games end up on the consoles. You think oh, that's, that's quite a PC specific you know, game that, yeah, it's odd mm. that it's on, on this platform. But, you know, it's nice that it's been given a chance. I always felt that from the, both from the, the box art and the imagery and, and, and the way the game looked and played, that it felt like it was from that kind of bigger brother sibling yeah. of the PC. Mm. And it kind of someone managed to make a deal to get it on the PlayStation because it was this hip new thing coming through and yeah, yeah it, it felt quite um intimidating which is really weird because actually playing it now it's anything but intimidating uh, it's actually mm. quite a simple shooter that you know just fundamentally works it doesn't really challenge the player with mechanics and like leon said like that whole um yeah it, it feels like there should be something attached to the fact that people were dying around you even if it is uh, a, you know, a score attack or even just a, you know, a second ending mm. somewhere like you didn't fair enough you didn't save everybody so you, you know the world wasn't quite safe play it again especially yeah. it's such a short game <laughs> you would have thought they would have done anything to give it some replay value but really there other than yeah, as I say the self you know your own knowledge the satisfaction of having done it mm. I, I even went back I, I redid the first level um, after I finished the game because I thought well this would be interesting to see now that I'm, you know, I, familiar, because it, yeah. because yeah, because it is all a bit bizarre at first. You're kind of both in terms of, you know, learning however you've mapped the controls out and the sort of the quirks of the game and, and the presentation and things like, you know, even things like the very first thing that you do in the first time you play is your 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 uh, sort of spawned in right next to this robot who's making kind of panicked noises and it runs away from you. And it turns out that if you catch up to it, it's a 150 health boost, basically, yeah. <laughs> um, and and stuff like that. So it's kind of saying right from the off then that, that it's, you know, it's not necessarily not going to do everything in the way you expect. It then goes through a slightly stodgy, um, but probably for the time quite innovative on the fly tutorial, i.e., you know, play this section, sectioned off room, learn how to do the sniping, learn how to do the... Uh, grenading, learn how to blow up a piece of glass, learn how to float, and it's a, it's a, it feels a little bit rigid the second time you go through. But as I got through that level, and the, the levels are relatively sizable, even though it's overall short game, I guess they're like maybe thirty, maybe thirty minutes the first time you play them each one, or, or maybe even a bit more. 
but I was having fun going back and thinking, right now, you know, I'm basically speed running it on the second time. And I, and I did look and there is a there's a fairly healthy speed running scene around this game. So there are reasons to, you know, get I good bet at some it. glitches as well. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's some that aren't <laughs> some that some that aren't acceptable, uh, of course. Um, but I was thinking, yeah, because the fundamentals, the shooting feels crisp and responsive and the, the rules within this crazy world are consistent and the platforming and the floating you know, still holds up just about, I'd say, in in 2016. It was fun to replay, but without a score attack system or without just the thought of a better ending even or, or something, my motivation very quickly waned. So I think it's kind of a shame there's no... Um, you know, if, if this game had like a, you know, a combo multiplier that was kept up by you pressing on through the level um, and completing it under part time and stuff, I think it would have been. I'll be expected a bit too much for that time. I mean, no, they are, I was playing. I was playing score attack games in 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 nineteen eighty yeah, no, something. Let alone, yeah. um, I mean, it just seems like it does, a bit of an oversight. It does score you at the end of the level, doesn't it? But it's literally, it does, you go, okay, yeah. thanks. You press enter, and then it, that's that's gone. Like it's all gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it says like how many bullets you fired. 21,000 bullets at one point. I was like, yeah, Jesus. how many bullets you fired, how many things you've killed. So, yeah, it also tells you if you've killed um, all the monsters on the level. Mm-hmm. But again, there's no there's no reward for having killed everything. No I'm really lives. sorry. Yeah, no, nothing. If yeah. there are any MDK experts listening to this, you really should have uh, written into the show because we, <laughs> we might be getting this horribly wrong. But um, yeah, it tells you how many headshots got and, and that. But it, again, there's very little. It's like it's purely like, oh, well, that's nice. And if you did that, then you can feel good because you played well. But, um, you know, and yeah, well, maybe... I'm trying to think. It's, it, it is hard. You know, we do it a lot in, in Cana Rinse to try and put ourselves back in the time. And maybe just seeing that we got seven headshots on a level would be like, yay, seven headshots. <laughs> I'm going to write that down in my notepad. And, uh, uh, but Take a photograph now of I, the yeah. screen and then get it developed. Yeah, yeah. Won't come yeah. out properly. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Polaroid that. Um, but yeah, it feels now like... Um, I don't know. Again, um, I didn't have time to look in deeply into the mod scene, but I did go searching on Steam for mods, and the only one I found was the one that makes the game actually run on my computer. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I think there's room for mods in this game. It was also interesting reading the GameSpot review from 1997, uh, which was mainly positive, but not not hyper positive. It was like a 7.6, and it said. Uh, Obviously, this was the time of Quake and things like that on mm. online PC shooters. And it said there is currently no online, but you can expect that there will be some sort of deathmatch game within the next six to 12 months. There never, <laughs> there never was. Um, and given given that the auto aim is, is 100% powerful, um, I don't see how it really would have worked anyway. But, uh, no. but interesting thought nonetheless. <laughs> there, it, it, stayed, it stayed an entirely single player uh, concern, but yeah, given that it was a full price game and it's only six levels long and about five hours, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, you know, the fact that it reviewed so well, high eighties and and low nineties, um, is testament to how much fun people, how much fun reviewers were having with what what the game offered. But I'd say that now it's even for two quid, it feels a bit scant. No, I'm joking, but you know what I mean. It's like that in terms of recommending it for people's time. To play, mm. not the, the money is less relevant, but in terms of the time, 
I think um, that would be a factor. It's not like one of those great games that you can go back to and say, this is still worth score attacking, like Pac-Man or mm. Bubble Bobble or something like that. This is, mm-hmm. uh, there's a drinking game one for you. I mentioned Bubble Bobble. Uh, it, it's, it, this would be, if you were going back to this, it would be to see it and experience. Yeah, I, I think most of it comes yeah. down to imagery. I, I, Sure. If I take anything from that, it's you know it's going back and and realizing the you know, twenty years down the line that you know this game still has some really um, you know, striking appearance to it and in, in certain I mean, it's only six levels long, but there's plenty that happens in the level. And in fact, it's it's quite clever, you know, knowing how games um, you know do streaming and stuff now. How yes, there are six levels, but you only load in six times. Um, the way mm. that they so each level would have. Oh, I think generally about eight kind of chapters to it, but each one mm-hmm. would be a, a large room and you'd, you know, in, engage in combat, solve the puzzle, whatever it may be. And then mm. generally either move down a, a corridor or down a ramp or something like that. And it would be obviously loading the level up on the fly. That stuff now is you know, fairly ubiquitous. It's, it just happens everywhere. But actually, I'd imagine 20 years ago, and I, I know this for a fact, I'm pretty sure the PlayStation 1 probably wasn't quite as... Um, clever probably had to load a lot more off the disc um that it's you know for that for that for then that must have been a pretty good technical feat that you kind of loaded in one level and then just stayed in that that arena got to play for a long time before you had to load again yeah Yeah, for sure yeah um yeah obviously i mean thinking about it i mean the the playstation version must have have done the same thing because if it was getting the red book audio from the cd yeah, it must have just loaded it all in yeah, at once. I think and you're then... right. I think the Digital Foundry covers this, and I think obviously okay. the one-time CD speed loading from the PS1 into more constrained hardware was slower. But I think I think right. it, I think it did keep the levels uh, each level in in memory. I think that's mm-hmm. right. Forgive us if we're wrong again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it was missing the as I say, missing the tunnel sequence at the end of each level i'm not quite sure how they balance that because one of the things that you do in that sequence is grab one of those 150 yeah get health (laughs) get health but then you know you can you can always get health one of the things we're going to talk more about the the different aspects of of gameplay but um one thing i did see crop up repeatedly on um, people discussing this uh, game on in steam reviews and and elsewhere um it seems to be quite a lot of talk what a tough game it is, but I, that wasn't really my experience. Um, uh, and uh, as I always uh, pains to point out, I'm I'm not a particularly strong games player. I don't think um, I'm middling, uh, but uh, I, I you know I died a few times, but there was always it always felt like you know the next time I, I you know I would do that arena. And it does start to really throw a lot of enemies at you in the in the latter stages, but it's also I, I found it fairly generous with the health and the auto aim is is strong and basically you know side strafing um, and and holding down the fire button is you know is kind of the Once core enabled. to yeah yeah. So I think it's maybe it's not that it's difficult; it's just that when you do die, it's game over. See you later. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's no checkpoints. You can quick save. Just, just, yeah, yeah. I, I would say, yeah. I, yeah, as always, yeah, the quick saving, <laughs> you can't help but maybe misuse it somewhat. I mean, I, <laughs> what, so what's the issue with the fact that they didn't come with a save system? Is Was it literally get through? Start the level again, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine, I think, I'd imagine in that scenario, I mean, I didn't yeah. die too many times, but I quick saved a fair bit. Yeah. But I'd imagine yeah. there would be a challenge there at some of the, the later stages. Mm. Um, 
without having necessarily quick saved. Because it's two or three times I found myself quite low on health and kind of having to yeah, to yeah, study the room, um, mainly because I'd be shot from above and you, there is no way to kind of aim up other than wait for thing to fly over your head, let the auto yeah. aim kind of lock on. But I got a cropper yeah. a few times getting caught in a corner um, in those scenarios. Mm. Yeah, and the, the health pickups are odd as well because there are there are some health items which give you literally one health, which are all but all but completely useless. <laughs> yeah, those the candy bars are they? Sweet, and sweet, yeah, yeah. And the, obviously the apples are, are more helpful. And and I was never quite sort of you know some games like this. And, and again, maybe familiarity would uh, would make this clearer. But I was uh, it, it sometimes felt like the the amounts that different things would take off were a bit bit arbitrary but i assume there is a, a value ascribed to everything like i think a long fall is always 10 health points and, and stuff like yeah. that but sometimes you know you've got sort of three or four different enemy types and three or four well actually maybe more like two or three bullet types um, but, and so they all take a different amount off so it was a, you know you've got a figure as a health bar so and just just to bring up the, the weird look of this game in, in the fact that yeah it's quite a, i don't call it a serious look because it's it's kind of like a ghost you know, sci-fi, you can make whatever you want, but you have a fairly kind of serious tone and look to it, and then you'd have mm. the health pickups, which is this great big rapid sweet and an <laughs> apple that chicken. looks like something yeah. out of Crash Bandicoot, and mm. then you've got a turkey that's almost like steaming on the ground, like it's yeah. been freshly baked for you, against mm -hmm. this kind of neon glass background with a, you know, mechanical tank thing. And it's, it's like, okay, that's like, just really Again, real odd. Mishmash, yeah, yeah, really odd. I mean, I understand from a developer why that would be. I mean, even at the, the back end of the game, you can get Earthworm Jim pickups and drop a cow on yeah. somebody like from yeah. just <laughs> or yourself. randomly from nowhere and mm. it's i'm not sure if it it fits really it's like it's a really odd design choice to have those two mishmash together but i was kind of willing to go over it 20 years down the line so like, well, that's, <laughs> that's odd but cool <laughs> i mean i can only assume it was an intentional um you know thing to do into the you know, like say this sort of really sort of dark high concept sci-fi setting and then than these sort of very obviously mm -hmm. video gamey elements. Um, mm. I, surely that was done intentionally for like either for a joke or just I don't know. I, don't I can't imagine they, they thought it was, it was. I can't imagine they actually thought it worked. But, that, but that, you know, like, my <laughs> my point is you've got this yeah. this this technical kind of marvel. I mean, twenty years ago mm. to have that the there's one level in particular is this mirrored glass world. Mm. Um, yes, level two. Yeah. Super impressive, and it's. I mean, yes, mm. it's it's dated now, but you know, you can actually put yourself twenty years ago and go. That must have been just an utter phenomenon to see that firsthand. You know, the latest three D graphics card mm -hmm. pumping out that kind of um, mm. architecture must have been really something to, to to behold. And then, like I say, this weird apple floating on the top of it, and it's just <laughs> it. Yeah, the contrast to me is is very stark and comical, and. Yeah, the game is not without its charm. So yeah, it it plays out, but it it's you could just see the probably two warring development sides of that studio going. Well, I want to make the perfect game. I want to make this most realistic game. And someone going, yeah, stick that asset in there. That'll do. I don't get I that think, impression yeah, like... from what I've read that they were they were at odds. I think I think they were they they. It's you know from what I've read, it sounds like they were very much in agreement that they were trying to make this sort of slightly quirky mm. off kilter thing that is both. 
you know, in some ways very serious and in other ways very silly. Um, and that was kind of, yeah, I think I think that was what they were after. I, I feel like it was, that was the, the intention of the design. It's weird though, isn't it? Getting your head around that. Like, like you say, the, you know, you can imagine the artist being like, yes, this is amazing. I'm going to be the next HR Giger. And then someone else going, yeah, draw a dog with six legs. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's an odd one. But again, you know, thinking back to games of that era and and certainly earlier, uh, we were we were at a time where you could um, you could be more experimental. You know, there were far far more uh, far fewer safe bets released, mm. and a game like this that was full of you know, surrealism or, or zaniness, whatever you want to call it, uh, it could be a big release and. Uh, yeah, without having to conform and subscribe to sort of, yeah, one particular kind of niche. <laughs> but, yeah, it. I mean, it, I suppose um, it reminded me a little, in a way, uh, of Jet Force Gemini, which came a couple of years later, also a mm -hmm. sort of sci-fi uh, third-person action uh, shoot-em-up. That was obviously by Rare on the N64, but... Again, it always had you had these kind of weird looking, slightly cutesy characters, but it was actually quite a it was quite an atmospheric and um, kind of not dark, but uh, it was, you know, it was proper sci fi action. It was um, it just so happened that the characters were all, you know, cutesy and stuff. So uh, and just remembering back to games on particularly on things like the 16 bit computers where oh, yeah. it didn't yeah. go it didn't go through sony it didn't go through um you know sega or nintendo in terms of well we're not going to release that it's mental um amiga games were just you know always full of complete absurdness uh not always but often you know it was it was normal for computer games to be absurd from in the 80s and 90s and designers could go with their whims and there were no focus groups there were no you know shareholders I, I, going i yeah. completely I'm, I'm on board with that and i yeah I do, I do agree but it to me i think it's primarily because what i know a lot about this game is it was this technical showcase and just to yeah. have those mm -hmm. two things mishmashed together with a technical showcase doesn't necessarily kind of gel in my mind that that you know that that works but i mean it's now it's funny because it you know you playing it this far down the line you can kind of look at that stuff and it, it brings out a, a wry smile but i i do wonder if uh you know my 17 year old self who was looking to to get the latest 3d graphics card would become this this is this isn't odd These well two sean you were there you were you were you were a kid and i know obviously you were perhaps you know that bit younger so you were just like everything was amazing i don't know but um do you remember actually being kind of thinking whoa this is you know this is next level stuff you know visually or i mean yeah but then i'd i'd gone straight from owning a snes to a competent gaming pc so just the fact that everything was in 3d was enough you know <laughs> true yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, can you I remember other like games I... you were playing on the pc with your voodoo card or whatever in around this time do, do you I actually had what did we, oh what did we have it was a, it was one of the matrox ones that ours had and then we, and we like bought it and put it in and then realized a lot of games didn't actually oh, support no. it um, sad trombone i'm trying to think i mean quake 2 was a was another huge one i think that must have been a couple of years later uh um, it's 97 i think quake 2 was it oh my god right okay well, so. yeah okay quake 2 then. off the top of my head <laughs> um, yeah. but then i think we we spent more time sort of having just you know family just spent far too much money on this pc i mean i think we then 
it was more playing catch up with like you know the last sort of five ten years of PC games that I'd missed. Um, so yeah, but we didn't play much that was like super high end. Just come. Just out. basically played Doom then, didn't you? Pretty yeah. much. There you go. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so although this this was impressive, um, like it yeah, it wasn't like oh good, this is the latest game with the best graphics that I need to play. It mm. was just uh, among many things that looked really impressive at the time. Yeah. For me. So, yeah. And it was actually that uh, the the very sort of nature that that it sounds like was perhaps made it stand out a bit. The the fact that it was this weird uh, conglomeration of of silliness and seriousness. Yeah, because like you know, Quake Two. Oh look, there's coloured lights and stuff. Mm. That's great. Um, but it's all very brown. Mm. Um, all very brown and grey and and what have you. Whereas yeah, whereas this actually, um, I mean again, you know. Level two, I think, is probably the standout mm. one. That's uh, Antonio mentioned with all the, you know, the mirrored stuff, um, mm. which of course, like many things in this game, is actually it's not really mirrored at all. See through, sort of, yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's <laughs> with a bitmap. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and it was just, but yeah, I just, I just hadn't seen anything like it, or I think yeah. not, not just that I hadn't seen anything like it, but I could not have conceived of anything like it. Yeah, like we could all have imagined a game that looked like Quake Two, whereas I don't think many of us could imagine I, a game that looked like MDK prior. It's, to it's not yeah. actually you know me going on that diatribe. It's because when I think about it, other than the levels, like everything else in the game has that quirkiness to it. So be it the the enemies that you shoot in, there's nothing that's a a real kind of outside of the kind of giga design of your main character. Like everything else mm. is kind of a bit of a okay a video game tropey character, even to the point mm. where zooming into a, f- a few of the the main enemies they're smoking cigars um <laughs> and jumping there's that one that yeah. slides down a track on a on an armchair reading a paper is that yeah kind of, it's yeah kind of so yeah I'm, I'm kind of derailing my own thought process here but <laughs> there a lot of, yeah and, the, and of course the dog um so yeah th- th- there's plenty of humor in there and, and actually one one more thing to talk about the the look and feel of it the the level where you kind of come down into a cardboard cutout world yes yes uh how do i explain <laughs> it it's like a car to you so you've been playing this very mirrored beautiful looking environments and all of a sudden you come into this i'd say a, a cartoon drawn um trees and blue sky world and you're like what? it looks like the what? it looks like the set to a children's yeah. play painted by um, children yeah yeah and then the moment you just like, like but it's huh? on all four sides so you, you like just it. fire your gun and then four pieces of cut well, with I guess there will be you know, it's like a set scenery fall apart and they just the whole world collapses around you to reveal the normal world. <laughs> and I, was, I mean, I was actually I was really impressed by that. It it got me a, a blind excited. What is going on? Where are what? Yeah. <laughs> and there it was. But I don't know what the context of that was at all. <laughs> I don't know why that was. No, there. yeah, there's no there reason any. for no. us. No. Yeah. no, there's a room later on as well, isn't there, where it's like some sort of weird uh, playroom, but full of yes. robot enemies uh, like yeah. most places are mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah again it, it doesn't get, when you actually think where am i supposed to be oh i'm on this giant mine crawler that's currently ransacking cities for resources <laughs> there's no there, there you know it, it doesn't bear thinking about this yeah, thing you're uh, saying spoiler warning <laughs> none of it makes sense well exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's it's so impressive. Like not just the way it looks, but the like I say the the tricks they use to get some of those effects. Like there's a lot of we mentioned the mirror place, which as we said is sort of it's not really mirroring anything. There's just there's all these panels that 
all they seem to be doing is basically showing like the same bitmap that's used for the skybox but just yeah. at like a different angle mm-hmm. so you just <laughs> your brain is just left to assume like oh well i guess that is a true reflection of what is you know in that particular direction but you never check you know um and it's convincing enough even now mm-hmm. i think like you can you can see through it but your eyes sort of make sense of it i think um, I, I, my brain struggled with it a bit more, possibly because I didn't play it at the time. Whereas I've, I've seen that okay. a, that similar effect in other games from the era on the Sega Saturn mm-hmm. and stuff, and my brain still says what it said back in the day. Do you see what I mean? So, like, you, <laughs> if you're looking, at, if you looked at something for the, uh, this is a good example of what we mean when, because we've been challenged on this a couple of times recently, which is the it looks like how you remember it looking, but mm-hmm. I think that I think it the context when you first see graphics and the context in terms of the technology that is available at the time and other games that are around at the time. So the resolution of something like, you know, I still think of early, you know, when I first played Dreamcast games as being incredibly high resolution because I was Mm. used to PlayStation graphics and N64 graphics. If you look at them now, they're not incredibly high resolution by any modern standard. Um, but in my head, they still look perhaps crisper yeah, and sharper I, I, than they would if I was playing. Yeah. For the I had exactly the same um, thing with uh, the show before this, where um, Metropolis yeah. Street Racer. Um, yeah. I had the exact same. I I was brave enough to to dig out my Dreamcast and and play my mm. uh, my copy from that. Yeah, and, and that doesn't help in itself because obviously it's had you know, Project Gotham Racing series thereafter. So you've got something yeah, that's very yeah. similar on a on an HD mm. platform. But yeah, night and day from what my mind's eye was was telling me yeah. it, it was, and actually seeing it in, in run first hand to to quite a shocking degrees. But I didn't have this from that this game. It, I think art wise, it was it kind of kept everything tall. I think some of it it helped because we was running a, a patch that for me actually brought it up to the, the you know, a resolution that was kind of playable for modern standards. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, some so maybe yeah that that may have helped. But I know what you mean by um yeah you you don't always always remember quite what you think <laughs> yeah it may be that we've all played it um in a slightly different way as well so i <clears throat> let's talk about this we uh when i first um installed the steam version i started playing it and i was even more baffled than i expected to be by mdk because he started the level and there was a <laughs> bitmap sprite uh of a of a this giant thing trundling um in 2d at the bottom of the uh you know in the middle of the screen and i could uh and it seemed to be in first person <laughs> um and there were just and there were just weird noises happening and the odd flash of something and i had absolutely no idea what was going on mm-hmm. um and it turns out that um mdk for some reason doesn't work with a geforce 1070 uh <laughs> t- terribly well so um i did a bit of uh, searching on steam and there is the uh mdk steam fan patch by alex a l y x x uh i installed that and when i booted up the game the next time it said uh 3dfx or voodoo or something as i booted it so i was like oh here we go right okay <laughs> we're, we're back to 1997 and indeed that's how i played the game but i didn't do anything more to kind of enhance it i just played it it was working so i played it it was uh, i don't think it was very high resolution it certainly wasn't beyond um 30 frames a second 
but I've seen some footage of it that m- makes it look like uh, you can do more with it to to bring it more up to date. So did you do any of that, Tony? Yeah, so I, I run it to my whatever my native resolution 1080p on the this screen I'm running upstairs. Okay, um, right. And yeah, I mean it it looked perfectly fine. I didn't stretch it too badly. I think it, it was a little more compressed, maybe. Um, mm. But yeah, I, yeah, beyond changing anything else in the, in the files, I didn't. But it, it yeah, it's a I don't want to go too much on it but it is it is a good reminder of you know getting you know older games to run on on newer hardware can always be a fun task but even to the point where bless bless him for for giving that patch out because i don't know what i would have done if i just brought the game and then just I think it might be a female oh, bless Alex, them. yeah not, oh, that's what i'm not 100 percent sure um yeah. but bless them for for getting this patch out because i you know yeah. he would have been a tad well i was wondering because this this came out on steam in 2009 and good old games in 2008 uh, this is specifically a Steam patch, so I wondered. Obviously, two thousand eight PCs were a couple of you know two or three generations of Windows ago, and I know Windows mm-hmm. ten uh, maybe isn't so you know so friendly w- with old games. Uh, but I wonder how because I know good old games have always been taken great pride in making sure that things work on the systems that people are actually downloading them on. So so I I don't know what people's experience will necessarily be if they just go to GOG, you know, with a Pentium, yeah, you know, not Pentium, <laughs> uh, and yeah, they'll be all right with a Pentium uh, with an i7. Uh, you know, have many cores and uh, and a and a current gen GeForce or whatever graphics card. Uh, whether they will have similar issues, and I also don't know how good old games. Obviously, Steam's very good with its um, supporting of uh, community patches and stuff. I don't know if Good Old Games is, has quite has that um, sort of uh, infrastructure built in in the same way that Steam does. So my point being, I suppose, is that however you choose to play this on PC, unless you go to, to the 8 to 60 frames PS1 version on original hardware, uh, and I don't think it's available on PSN at all, um, you're going to have some issues... Uh, now, uh, another thing, Sean, you may be able to help us with is um, I think because of the time when this was launched, um, it was uh, it was expected that you would play this on PC with uh, WASD and mouse. Is that right? Or see, I it's I don't know because I I mean I'm pretty sure when I played it back in the day, I just used like just the keyboard so right, I remember okay. using the mouse okay um that's, i certainly that's wasn't aware of was and d at this point okay so it would have um, been like arrow keys and and something um yeah 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 enter enter uh, to shoot yeah because i remember when the gog release happened mm. um which appears to run fine on windows 10 by the way that's the one i was playing great um okay. so it might be worth knowing um yeah, yeah sort of then coming back to him being like right how do i do how do I basically, you know, play it with a mouse mm. and using mouse look? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, which obviously you can totally do. It's, it feels weird because you can't look up and down, so it's a bit like playing, yeah, uh, you know, Doom. Doom yeah. Um, <clears throat> but what's interesting is because you've got, um, so you set W, A, S, and D as your forward, back, strafe, left, and right. Mm. Um, but the sections before each level and after each level where you're either skydiving into the minecrawler or you're being airlifted out of it, um, you can only use the turn left and right buttons yeah. to move left and right, not the strafe keys. Yep. So you sort of you have to bind like Q and E to mm, mm. turn left and right just for those bits, and then you sort of got you get your head get your head around the fact that W and S are up and down, but Q and E are left and right. Yeah, <laughs> which is a bit odd. But and there's a t- and works. there's a run button which you need to use quite a bit, uh, especially later in the game. Um, 
I just put caps lock on. That seems to do the trick. Fair enough. Yep. Good call. <laughs> just permanent yeah. sprint. I, I spent a little while binding. Uh, I, you know, it does work with uh, with an Xbox 360 USB pad. Um, so I'm sure okay. it does. It does work with other controllers as well. I know that when they when they ported it over to the PS1, they pretty much just um, treated it as if the four directions on the D-pad were four keys, and the four buttons mm-hmm. were four other keys. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I think I think that was pretty much so how they did isn't it. Isn't uh, that the issue with the, the 360 pad on the PC version? It doesn't recognise the right stick as anything. Uh, no, I was using the right stick as uh, uh, if you yeah if you click it in. I was I was using it as a as my turbo run button. Okay. So okay. yeah, so I was clicking it in. Um, it doesn't recognise the D pad. I don't think. Well, the way I had it, because it's it's weird. I I played the first two whole levels, um, basically what I shall refer to as tank controls, um, because it, mm. there was no mm. no apparent way on the on the 360 pad anywhere that I was playing with to to mm. strafe, and so I was basically ah. <laughs> using tank controls, going, <laughs> man, wow, this is this is that's going to make it a lot harder. This is some dated yeah. stuff. <laughs> like, wow, I should, you know, no, no, <laughs> and then that that kind of moment is like, this can't be right. I mean, I'm think I'm thinking back at the time, this can't be. So I, you go back into that binding area, and I'm looking, and to me, it wasn't picking up the the right stick to do anything. It's really complicated that yeah. binding screen. And as it's well. just it doesn't dots. Make yeah. a lot of it's sense. just dots. And you're like, okay, yeah. Um, so in the end, yep. I worked out that I could map strafe. Well, it calls it sidestep. Um, I could map sidestep to the right and left bumpers on the pad, and that just absolutely yeah, fixed yeah. the issue. So, and made the game a hell of a lot easier. I have to say, because um, <laughs> yeah, just, I use bumpers for strafing too. Yeah, yeah. you can just yeah. sidestep pretty much anything, in, and you end up just strafing around people. Even some of the bigger bosses, you yeah. can just do the circle strafe and become all but invincible at times. It's it's cheap. There are. But it works. Yeah, Mostly. there are some enemies later on. I want to, want to talk about enemies and AI anyway, so that brings us on mm. to this. Um, there are some enemies which charge you that you have to jump yeah. over. There are some enemies, yes. there are some screens where you've got a lot of giant rolling polygonal balls that can crush you, that kind of bounce around, and you, you're kind of, you know, in the There's middle of There's lots of, of ledges machine. and stuff you can get up on as well. That's true, yeah. Uh, but th- there are a few, there are sequences where circle strafing is not, entirely usable such as shooting up high uh in with your sniper um although actually you still want to strafe um, slightly left and right as mm-hmm. they 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 fire these very slow blue projectiles at you which you can which you can sidestep mm-hmm. but having to activate the sniper and then fire and then come out of it and stuff like that is um makes it you know it, I, i'd say it mixes it up a little bit rather than every screen just being pure circle oh, yeah. strafing yeah, it's not um, serious it's sound, not quite serious yeah. sam <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's <laughs> a jinx right but, um, there yeah and it's funny isn't it to to kind of highlight a sniper rifle because by modern day standard a sniper rifle is a sniper rifle it shouldn't be mm. really anything we'd need to discuss about but here it was a, a main selling feature um with its huge innovation yeah, yeah and you know it's 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 a tad slow but it, it works um I don't, I don't know what more to say. It was a sniper rifle, <laughs> but well, it was. I imagine it seems, yeah. like, like you say, it was, it was sort of pioneering at the time. But like, you know, mm. ask me what MDK's legacy is. And it's not the first thing I jumped to at all. It's, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, it d- didn't define the game for me. It's partly because, like, yes, it's a sniper <laughs> rifle. But then half the time you spend your time lobbing grenades with it. Yeah. Which <laughs> um, yeah. Sort of goes against. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it did, didn't did not come to 
define that's my memory of the game in any way. That's really interesting because I, you know, I I think my first sniper rifle, as I said, was Goldeneye, as I, th- I suspect it was yeah. for many people because that game sold many, many, many times what MDK sold. Uh, and I remember thinking, "OMG, this is so awesome." <laughs> um, uh, uh, but I do remember reading, um, uh, in particular that that nine out of ten edge review, uh, how impressive and fun this this tech was, uh, this this mm. sniper rifle tech. And I, as I say, I don't, I suspect there'd been some serious military shooter before that had done sniper rifles. But I think this yeah. was the one that made it quick and accessible by you know relatively (laughs) in that it was always there so it was hands-free so you could move at the same time and all that sort of thing and i think the the thing that was meant to be really impressive back in 97 was the fact that you could zoom in across the the whole the the full size of any any screen Mm. any area that you're in now those areas actually again playing it today for the first time in 2016 none of the arenas feels that large everything feels quite pokey uh there there are a couple of areas that are bigger where you you actually get into a ship at some points and do bombing runs um those are those are perhaps the largest areas but um but that sniping still, the, you know, the the way it's uh, the way it's sold to you in the first place is the little uh, one of those mini tutorial session sections that I that mm. I mentioned, and um, and again it's done with humour. Uh, the 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 sort of the main enemies in this game are these sort of rather ape like grunt uh, robots, and uh, they they come they come up time and time again, uh, and yeah, they 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 goof about. When you look at them through uh, through the sniper scope, and uh, particularly if you can't kill them, uh, they actually taunt you and slap their asses. Right, and, stuff and like it's that. even beyond that. That there's there's sections where you need to use the sniper rifle. Certainly, if you've got a um, a grenade launcher attachment to fire over, well, it happens half or maybe three times in the game. We need to fire mm. over um, a screen that you can see the enemy, but obviously there's no other way to to shoot them. So you can kind of lob the, the things over. And as there's no um, technical way with any other gun to fire upwards because it's it's not set up with that you need it for those puzzles uh there's one or two towers where you need to take out people and uh some of the scale comes from big i'd say capital drop ships and massive you know mm-hmm. for the time ships that come across and have a and a you know a, a barrage of cannons that are coming down at you and you need to zoom into those um so that there's elements of the games without without the sniper rifle you can see it wouldn't work but it is weird to be you know talking about a sniper rifle in in 20 16 <laughs> as, a, as a main selling point because you know it's so ubiquitous now with, there's so many games mm. but um yeah I, I don't know i can't put myself into just a, a time period where that wasn't i think fundamentally because it works extremely well in that game it doesn't feel like it's a a first edition of a sniper rifle it you know it, yeah. it just works mm. seamlessly well you snipe in you can it looks good when you you pop a, a grunt's head off and it yeah Sure, but I guess the point we're sort of making is that because it doesn't feel innovative, special, exciting in the same way as it did 20 years ago, mm-hmm. the game has lost one of its, its key yeah. selling points uh, in many ways. Uh, not that it's not enjoyable, but it's not gonna it's not gonna reinvoke those feelings that Golden Eye did. I know the Golden Eye sniper rifle probably does <laughs> going back to what it did when I went back <laughs> to it again. Uh. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe. Uh, yeah, and uh, this being a at its at its heart, as we say, it's it's quite an quite an arcadey, uh, action oriented, three um, D run and gun game. Uh, inevitably, as well as uh, your core abilities of of running about, 
hopping, strafing, gliding. Um, there are some pickups and power-ups. Uh, it's different to other games, I suppose, uh, of its ilk and of its time and its platform in that rather than starting off with a puny pistol and working your way up through a set of weapons, you essentially always have your pistol, which isn't that puny, and it fires pleasingly. It's got ridiculously, you know, sort of um, rapid muzzle flash, uh, which is part of your your character sprite, and it feels like those bullets are, are, are good enough. When you that will be the weapon that you use for most of the game, and and that's fine. Uh, when you do pick up power ups, uh, they tend to be of a a slightly yeah, they tend to be, again, of, of a humorous nature. Anything that you pick up in this game, whether it's food or power-ups, tend to be uh, something a bit silly. So you've got, as Sean mentioned earlier, the world's smallest nuclear bomb, which uh, is mainly for opening doors, <laughs> oddly. Uh, you've got the yeah. world's most interesting bomb, which mesmerises enemies that into looking funny, at them. That is pretty funny, though. I uh, think I only... Is there only, only one once. of those? Yeah, there's only once. Yeah, yeah, okay. You pick it up yeah. and you think, okay, well, what the hell would this be? And yeah. it literally is just a box, a grey box, and everyone comes staring at it. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what else? There's the hammer, uh, which... Thumper, I think it's called, isn't it? A slammy hammer. Mm. Yeah, for the thumper. Mm. That's the, the decoy is a personal favourite. That's yeah. useful. Yeah, and it's quite funny. Yeah, it is actually useful, mm -hmm. which is nice, as well as being uh, funny. You got the tornado. <laughs> tornado, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a smart bomb kind of affair. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... It's it's a fun set of tools, I think, for the most part. But uh, it, towards the end, it gives them to you much, much faster, much more frequently. Mm. Um, there's a few arenas in the last couple of levels where the enemies really do keep on coming, and it's odd because again, there's there's two ways in which it does this. Sometimes the game just keeps dropping in enemies, and I I believe I don't think there's a place where they will come in forever, except if you don't destroy their generators, which is the other way in which they're Hmm. Um, which they're given to you to fight, but but I always found it uh, as I was playing through. I found it slightly confusing. I wasn't. I was never quite certain what the rules were in a particular level, in a particular arena. Um, in that, I like games where you have uh, enemy producing generators that you have mm -hmm. to destroy to stop the enemies coming. I've always enjoyed that since going back to Gauntlet and, and whatever else. Finite, isn't it? You know what you're doing, where you stand. Yeah, you know where you stand and you know that there's a risk reward in that you've got to actually take out the generator, mm -hmm. which takes a lot of hits. While Meanwhile, they're still spawning more enemies at you, mm -hmm. but you know that you have to prioritise the generator, but that's not actually attacking you. So that's that's a, a fun, simple, straightforward thing. But a lot of these arenas have generators and they have enemies being flown in, dropped in, or just coming yeah. out of a hole, or or sometimes it does it completely the other way. So I found that inconsistent. Well, and, yeah, and even beyond that, some areas you need to, to kill everybody in an area for a door to open, say. Other areas yeah. you just need to get to the door uh, and can actually bypass mm. a lot of the combat yeah. and just get up. But, you know, it's just a roll of the dice. You can find yourself walking up to the door, assuming it would be one of those areas. It's not have to then kind of track back and kill everything around you for, for something to activate, even to sometimes activate... Uh, an enemy to drop a uh, a bomb to open the door. Um, yeah, and it's it seems to change the rules as and when it wants to. There's no real indication, but I, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, there, I, definitely, there's a couple of instances I've had where yeah, I've like cleared an area out, and then you, you know the the door to exit has had one of the nuke symbols mm -hmm. on it. I'm like, all right, okay, so there must must be a nuke somewhere that I'd missed, and I'm like running around. <laughs> 
And it's basically for some whatever reason there was a delay of maybe 30, 40 seconds, which doesn't sound like a lot. Mm. But when you're just looking at an empty room, like, yeah. well, what's going on? Where is it? Like, mm. <laughs> and then it just yeah, then just slowly just gets parachuted in. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. But I don't know if that's just like a scripting screw up or what, but mm. yeah, some weird issues like that sometimes. Yeah, and then other screens, uh, not knowing how to progress is sometimes uh, there's a there's a puzzle element, and these are introduced. Yeah. They're all quite different, I'd, I'd say. There's there's a there's, there's a fair amount of variety with these. Uh, some of them are sort of action interaction. Some of them are um, sort of scripted, and they don't really announce themselves. Uh, like like much of this game, it doesn't really explain itself, and I think that's what. Uh, uh, Nick Booty was um, alluding to in in the, the, his response to those good old games comments is like some people have just found themselves in a screen and just thinking I have absolutely no idea uh, what I'm had, supposed to do next. I have one answer <laughs> of that, and it's it's when you first you you take down a forklift truck and you can yeah. you can shoot the forklift truck with your bullets from the infinite machine gun oh, chain gun and push the forklift truck around. Which, mm. you know, it doesn't. I just shot everything in the arena. I'm just looking going, I don't know. There's nothing else to shoot. I can see, like, <laughs> if I stand on this platform, a, a gate comes down. If I stand off this platform, the gate goes back up. So clearly I need to get something on there. And yeah. I just went round and round and round. And actually, this, you know, not fair to maybe to the game and not fair to me. The forklift cl- truck, what happened, it smashed into a, a wall and got stuck there. So I'd been, uh... I'd been shooting this forklift truck thinking, well, maybe it's this. Nothing. And actually had to go uh, on game FAQ and just and, and clarify. And yeah, the second time I did it was fine, but it's just, yeah, there. Which in the polygons. Yeah, it's just, mm. yeah. And yeah, unfair. But even even beyond that, I was like, well, you know, how you wouldn't necessarily know. Because what can actually happen is those, those, those trucks follow you around. You, they, you could kind of backtrack a bit out the level, not out the level, but to the back of the level. And that thing follows you and you'd have to shoot it quite a way to get it back to that area um yeah the second time i did it of course i knew exactly what i was doing i let it i blew it up when it actually sat on the on that on that pad um and you know it was, it was really easy and then you know, there's a second another level towards the end isn't it where it's it's going around a high platform and you yeah can, i knocked that right off but it yeah once, another one yeah once you know what you're doing it's it, it the puzzle makes sense but there's there's no indication to it but I, yeah, it's it's hard to be annoyed at it, I think, but it's yeah. In my scenario, it was it was kind of frustrating. I think the one I had to game fact just because I was thinking, don't. I was thinking on along the right lines, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. There's a there's a room you enter where there's a big ramp leading down, and when you get down to the end, there's uh, three sort of uh, emplacements, gun turrets mm-hmm. up on high. And I was thinking, even if I jump from this jump and float as fast fast and far as I can from the top of this ladder, I'm not making it to the middle plinth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at the, the walkthrough and it turns out that I should have been going right. But my, I just assumed that I couldn't get to the one on the right because it was further away because it was on the right. But actually, but you still had to be quite precise with the, um, with you know, you have to do a little boost uh, run to the edge of the platform and you have to leave leave the jump quite late and make sure that you don't let go holding forward at any point while you're on that run and that, that was a little pernickety but overall the i'd say the uh the sort of the platforming side was never too, never too kind of um th- there weren't too many bits where i was just like you know teetering on the edge of 
things in the way that you might in a first-person shooter or uh or i was just yeah it, it felt like i i wouldn't say that kurt hang gliding around felt it, it wasn't as like as satisfying as like pilot wings or something but it wasn't it wasn't it, even even playing it now it, it wasn't bad and again i imagine uh 20 years ago playing a game where you know it's a third person platform action game but the the, the ribbon shoot um although i don't think it makes any i'm uh, still confused by it now aero <laughs> aerodynamic <laughs> sense uh yeah uh, but it was a striking image, and really they obviously, striking, yeah, yeah uh, and it must have been a lot of fun back in the day, I reckon. Uh, whereas now it's kind of a bit, yeah, okay, that's cool for me, mm. anyway. Uh, any other puzzles of note that we should remember, either that we got stuck on or we thought were particularly charming? Um, I mean, I enjoyed. I know we've, we mentioned the uh, world's most interesting bomb, mm. but the whole bit leading up to that, where you sort of. It's at the end of the first level and you sort of open this door and there's just a huge corridor full of really tough enemies, which I assume oh, yeah. is impossible to fight your it way through. It is, yes, I tried. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but if you take a slight detour around the side, there's this little guy sort of trundling around who I assume is some kind of like royalty or he's a general or something. But he's yeah, just this little know. robot who's literally just going la 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 la. Yeah. Um, and basically you can kill him and sort of get inside him and then <laughs> trundle through this this hallway with all these enemies who all sort of salute. They salute you as you go past, mm-hmm. don't they, I think? Um, or at best they ignore you, which is fine because you've picked up the book. You know, you, you get to the end and then World's Most Interesting Bomb is hidden at the end of the corridor and then you just sort of lob it at them. And yeah. See, I didn't realise that of, it's, you... I mean, it's, it's... I was going to say, it's barely Sorry. a puzzle because there's really... Yeah. Like, there's nothing else you could do. You know, it's not like... It's either well, I can go in that corridor and get killed, or I can just try and go somewhere else. Oh, I've shot him. I guess. Oh, he's turned around. I can get inside him. I suppose maybe this will work. Like at no point you're like, aha, I see. You know, <laughs> like this is what I have to do. You just sort of, just sort of going with it. So maybe calling it a puzzle is a bit generous. Yeah. But I well, and I think that's funny. what makes this game playable twenty years down the line is there, there's very much a mm. you know a room by room structure to it. So. Yeah, you, you're never backtracking out, out of anything. You're just always trying to move forward, either mm. find the exit. There'll be something there. You just sometimes just use it, yeah, your brain a little bit. But yeah. in that scenario, I'm sure we all walked straight in that room, got killed, and went, huh? And then, you know, went left and <laughs> went, okay. But it's it's yeah. a it's a nice little kind of fun side distraction to do rather than just, you know, kill these people. It shows that they, they were thinking maybe a little bit more outside the box than, than what maybe Quake was doing at the time. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I wish there was maybe one or two more bits of that um, you know, to be found in there. But of course, then you've got other stuff, which is on top of that, which is the snowboarding, which reminds me of Final Fantasy from nowhere. It's just, <laughs> just random. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not snow, but it's like it's, it's, it's just balding down a big tunnel. Um, with jumping James with James Bond. For some reason. I, just, I mean, it's not, but it's about it's yeah. about like a note away from being James Bond music, um, and those sections is just oddly out of place, but still kind of make sense in its world, mm. and I really enjoyed them, and it was they work really well, and you feel like James Bond for a second, uh, and then go back to shooting it. I don't know. It it reminds me of Final Fantasy just because that felt yeah. as much out of place in that game as it it does here. But <laughs> yeah, they they work well trying to get dog biscuits. Yeah, those sections uh, were quite enjoyable. I felt they they were a little slow by modern standards. Mm-hmm. Um, having recently played uh, Twilight Princess HD, there's some uh, some rather excellent uh, 
link snowboarding in in that game so it felt a little bit stodgy compared to that uh but uh, i noticed i worked out that you can use strafe to jink left and right instead of the the full turn which mm-hmm. i actually found helped uh, in the collecting of the bones but of the two of the two bone collecting sections uh i did i didn't i got i i missed one on the first time and then got and then got the full the full set of bones on the second time, but I can't. You just get some health at the end, yeah. You get just some health, okay. Yeah, Um, yeah. Unless we forget earlier in the game, you don't get a board. You just slide down tunnels on your back, (laughs) which is again (laughs) something odd odd that happens two or three times and then is never spoken of again. (laughs) And yeah, sort of fairly fairly typical. And in the context of the the machine that you're in. Why wet? Why? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it it works with its environment, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should talk a little about the, the sort of the way the way things uh, end up. Um, so we we our, our <laughs> I don't know why our faithful, friendly, six legged dog uh, Bones, aka Max, uh, gets captured at the end of uh the penultimate level so you spend the final level as well as trying to kill the final boss and save whatever place it is uh that's about to be run over at that point but also rescuing your supposed your buddy max you know he's your buddy because you've seen um sort of pre-rendered pictures of you and him relaxing in a spaceship between (laughs) between levels uh and yeah you you catch up with him once uh at the end of the uh fifth level i think and then he gets whisked away again and, you, and then you catch up with him again at the end and the final boss is uh, a puzzle and combat section he, so he's a giant stompy weird-faced alien man and you so there's this machine and you press a button on the machine by standing on it and out come these sort of hapless seals, seals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh so you have to 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 avoid getting stomped on, you throw a seal is a you know a usable item for the boss. Then you get on a sort of lava pit to get blasted up in the air with your ribbon shoot and you chuck a world's smallest nuclear device at a thing to uh to unattach Max the dog basically from from the uh Games, from the eh? cables <laughs> well uh, yeah I, 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 again Amazing. as i'm saying this out loud uh so you do that a few times and uh it's one of those where the first time you do it, it's like i have no idea what i'm doing here i've been stomped on there's also a couple of um grunt enemies who charge you and it, that was a place where i died but then uh, but then I started again, and and it wasn't too much trouble. Uh, but the the really the weirdness really kicks in when uh, you you get you, was it Ma- when Max um, when when you free Max the dog jumps into the machine he, th- he uh. throws himself into the blending grinding machine that you get the seals out of, <laughs> and then so when you press the yeah you press the seal? button. Okay. Yeah, you get like a a max dog headed super <laughs> seal, and then you grab that out of the machine, and then you chuck it to the big enemy, and he eats it, and he blows up. Well, I assume yeah. Max beats him up in the inside and destroys him in like an Azura's yeah, wrath, smashes his way out. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's yeah, it's it's an odd section. Um, but in a way, I was I was quite pleased that because the most of the last couple of levels had been 
about throwing more and more and more grunts at, at you for mm-hmm. longer and longer sections and bigger and bigger arenas. So it was quite, you know, I thought it was quite cool that it went for a slightly more um, thoughtful, puzzly, albeit completely insane. And easy. Uh, in sections. <laughs> yeah, very easy when you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? And the, the actual, I mean, the ending sequence, is, yeah. there isn't one, is there really? It's <laughs> well... Yeah. It's uh, it's a it's it's odd. Apparently, this was there. There are some versions where this was taken out. So, so the video there's a video at the end of the game, and it's a music video, uh, or there should be, um, but apparently you won't necessarily see it. But I saw it. So you get like a screen where you, again you're hanging out on the ship, and it's yeah, just like yeah, well yeah, done, yeah, Kurt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. And that's it. And then yeah, and then there's this video. Yeah, which is uh, a music video for a song called Non Non Rien Na Change by a French artist Billy Zakik. Uh, it's delightfully uh, fe- awful. Female-fronted punk band. <laughs> um, it's uh, an anti-Vietnam War song. Uh, and there was no other reason than it was included other than the fact the developers were fans. Uh, it's from the 1996 album Paniac, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. or Paniac. Uh, and was also released as a standalone single around the same time as the game. But there's also within this, uh, as well as the video, there are also some sort of pre-rendered and live-action FMV bits of Kurt, aren't there? So yeah. he's kind of taking his helmet <laughs> off. CDI and stuff. quality. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. On my me watching it, it was grainy. It was out of time. Yeah. It was in a tiny window, uh, and it was just yeah. It's just one of those. I just don't know. I just don't know moments. But there it is. Yeah. Very odd. Very odd. Yeah. Uh, apparently a lot of fans were confused because uh, because the robotic dog was named uh, Bones in the first game and Max in the second game. But uh, apparently, rather like Miles Tails Prower, uh, this is due to the fact that his name is Max, but his nickname is Bones. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Doesn't it? Um, I mean, I couldn't, yeah. Isn't that explained in the instruction manual? I think it, I might, think it be. might be. Yeah. I don't remember ever being confused about it. But, yeah. yeah. But then I don't, remember, I don't remember him being a robot. I thought he was like genetically. I have no idea what he is. Who knows? Very hard to tell at, at the it resolution I played the really game in. Matter, uh, what anything is, really. <laughs> uh, a soundtrack album was, re- was released that contained a remix by Planet Tracks, a project by Jay Frog, who would later become part of the famous German techno group Scooter. That's trivia for you. Uh, And final bit of trivia that I picked up from the internet. Thanks, internet. The PC version contains music that is streamed from internal files and not CD audio. This makes it possible to run the game from the hard drive and still get music, unlike most games of the time, which opted to use CD audio for music, meaning you wouldn't get music without the CD in the drive. So that brings us right back to what we were talking about. Uh, But actually, um, Redbook Audio, or even just Steam and GOG, uh, just updating the audio files with something that doesn't sound like total pants would be a nice mm. touch because it wouldn't take up very much room on your hard drive, would it? Who, who, I mean, who has the game now? Who's the publisher? Where's the money go back to? It's I have no I don't know because obviously no if it was yeah. Interplay, I mean they yeah, I've no idea because obviously Interplay sort of yeah collapsed <laughs> a few years later, um, and then but then. 
do Beth- I know obviously Bethesda got Fallout, but do they have everything? I'm looking. Was- I'm looking on Steam. It's just one of those oddities that obviously, <laughs> you know, good old games are very good at, at picking up licenses and, and kind of messing around with stuff, but it's on Steam. Like the money yeah. must be, my £7 must be going somewhere. <laughs> it says yeah, Interplay who's, who's on paid? Steam. It says Interplay, right. but I don't know if that's like a, a modern incarnation um gog, gog also yeah, says like shiny holding... interplay so yeah it might be some kind of holding company hmm. don't know but um yeah so maybe interplay exists in some non-active who do, who do we fashion. uh uh you know sign a petition for an mdk free yeah. at this point well <laughs> yeah or 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 an H- mdk hd, HD yeah uh, <laughs> but given the extreme possibly possibly the lowest level of response we've ever had to a Cane and Rinse podcast, even though we have many, many, many times more listeners than we have than we had at the start of this podcast. Uh can I just jump back? Yeah, of course. Sorry. I'm sorry. I've just I've looked up Interplay. So they do still exist. Oh, okay. However, on the 7th of September 2016, um they announced that they were going to be selling off loads of their intellectual properties. Ah. Including MDK. Uh give wet give Wedbush Securities a ring if you're interested. <laughs> oh, okay. Apparently that's ongoing. Well, we could probably um, yeah, uh, I wonder what the license for MDK would cost, but it, it's it's put the, the patron money to good where use. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we've got <laughs> we've got a few hundred pounds. Uh, no, but I'm thinking maybe uh, a crowdfunding by, uh, say, Nick Booty um, and right, yeah, the original team. They could do something with it, even if it was just really, really tart it up and release it on but, current gen yeah, machines. To, to bring it into a more serious point, I, back to you, you, mm. you know, talking about a, a low correspondence on this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, you, I mean, obviously, we haven't talked about the sequel, but there, there was a sequel to this. Um, yes, we may cover it one day because I think it would be a, an yeah. interesting one. Um, but yeah, that... Well, well, in our summaries, no doubt we'll talk about the legacy, but I, I don't think yeah, there's there's too many people you know crying out there for a, a remake of MDK for sure, um, and we'd get that from our feedback. Although we got a few free web reviews. So. Well, of course, really the follow up to this game in many ways is Giant Citizen Kabuto, even though it's a very different game. Mm. It's another it's another PC cult classic, incredibly fondly regarded, well reviewed. Often pops up in things like a thousand and one games you must play before you die, as does MDK and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, uh, Nick Bruti left and formed Planet Moon Studios, and they made that game, and that was, as I say well received um and another it's another that is one that we've had requests to cover before uh giant citizen kabuto so it would be interesting to to look at that also but but yeah it's odd i thought um mdk was enough of a cult classic for uh the community to to you know come in with you know at least a handful of sort of memories or whatever but but we only had the one and we're very grateful for it i should say but it's genuinely <laughs> always really interesting to see what the response is and I, I put out two or three shouts for three word reviews before we got any in the end we got some uh that were you know the equivalent of haven't played it which are which we never use because they're not reviews of the game uh but at least some of those actually used the initials mdk to to good effect uh i was hoping for more of those but uh anyway we'll come to those but let's hear from <laughs> baker's 12 our one and only correspondent uh, on the forum podcast at canerince.com is also the email address. Uh, canerince.com slash forum obviously is where Baker's 12 posted. And Baker's 12 says, when I got my first PC, MDK was bundled with it and it opened my eyes to the possibilities of 3D gaming at the time. The game just oozed originality at the time with its quirky aesthetic and backstory, but also in its gameplay. 
The sniper helmet, ribbon parachute and the world's smallest nuclear bomb all felt brilliantly unique at the time. Now sniper rifles, gliding and calling airstrikes have shown up in lots of games since, but really, do they beat the imagination that was put into MDK? My memories of the game are now fuzzy and the rose-tinted specs have gone on. I'm sure there were parts of the game that were really frustrating to play. I have vague recollection of some of the large battles where you could get ripped to bits by barrage upon barrage of enemy fire. But I choose to remember the joy of the absurdity and quirky originality of the game. Sadly, this game does seem to have been mostly forgotten by the masses. In a world of CODs and Gears of War, I think we need a new MDK to show us something new, something a bit odd. You can always rely Thanks. on Kane and Rince to uh, to bring an oddity back out the uh, <laughs> the woodwork. Yeah. Sure. Thanks, Baker's Twelve. Um, yeah, I, I, as I say, uh, slightly mystified by by the lack of uh, response. I hope you know this show gets a good amount of downloads. I'm I'm sure people are you know aware of MDK more more than that, but it's it's often interesting that what inspires people to wax lyrical, and obviously this game for whatever reason, maybe it's just just happenstance and circumstance anyway we did manage to uh, collect a few three word reviews from twitter follow us at Canaan rinse and uh, i'll start with sean mcgavin who says looked interesting but uh public seaboy 77 says pointy headed shooter nicholas nut or cuck cook uh, cook memorable speedy fun freelance police says best sniper rifle and louis proctor says murder death kill you know somebody had to do it so yeah. thanks louis and that was literally <laughs> the words, exactly <laughs> that was literally the first three word review we got so thanks everybody <laughs> so to summarize our feelings on this game i've been thinking about this a lot since i started playing it about a week ago or so i played it over about two or three sessions um a level or a level or two at a time kind of thing um and yeah it's a really really hard one for me to sum up i think that the fact that i played it without sort of making any real attempts to enhance it for my modern system my 1080p screen i was playing it in a, a really low resolution by modern standards so it didn't look tremendously impressive to me it didn't uh it didn't look visually that nice in some areas even um i think that probably pays plays somewhat into the fact that i don't feel infused about my mdk experience overall i didn't absolutely didn't have a bad time playing it uh i think that the the mechanics the core mechanics the the controlling of kurt hectic and the moving around have, have aged pretty well even even with control and mapping issues um and it was never really a struggle to to play through um and the more i played it the more i gelled with its quirkiness perhaps the more i enjoyed it to the point that i immediately went back and, and replayed that first level to see if i could do it in under the par time for absolutely no reward whatsoever uh but yeah, overall, I'd say I wasn't I wasn't overwhelmed. I wasn't particularly underwhelmed. I think it's a game that I probably shouldn't have left 20 years before playing. <laughs> uh, sometimes there are games you can go back to uh, having not played them at the time. And mechanically, they're so uh, whether, you know, whether it's something that that's got a real hook, like a score mechanic um, or something that makes you want to you know, challenge and, and best your, your own techniques at the game. This didn't really have that for me. It was a play it through once, 
I've finally seen it. It was fine. It's another one. I say this a lot, but it, it it's meant I'm really glad that I've seen it and played it through and tick it off my list. Um, but it's not one that I could kind of wholeheartedly recommend to people. That said, what I really want to say, and we haven't heard from Tony and Sean yet, I hope they're more enthusiastic. Uh, the Digital Foundry video that I mentioned and a load of the Steam reviews and a load of the good old games reviews have said, wow, this game has hold, held up really, really well. I absolutely loved it. It blew me away. It's still awesome. So my experience may not be the same as yours. Um, and it is often only around two or three English pounds or the equivalent to play. So there's absolutely no reason not to give it a try. So, yeah, it was a bit of a for me, but um, but certainly, uh, you know, other 20-year-old PC games would have been a lot worse than that, I suspect. <laughs> Tony? Yeah, to, to talk about the touchstones um, of what this game innovated with, I think it's uh, it, it must have been a really impressively-looking game um, back for 20 years ago, and um, its innovations of sniper rifle and maybe even some of its uh, fairly smooth combat. Today, just come off as it's a still a reasonably looking game it's got the sniper rifle and the combat's okay and i think that that in in itself is good 20 years down the line i've played plenty games where i've gone back and gone wow these mechanics have aged incredibly and it's made either made the game incredibly hard or incredibly frustrating and that's one of the good things i can say i I enjoyed my my time with this game i enjoyed um the combat was engaging if not remarkable um the visually it's it's really interesting um but not stellar um but i have to kind of put everything in context i think in 20 years you know to to still have that kind of reaction to it it says that it must have been pretty damn impressive then um and i feel like if i had had played it more back then i'd maybe have a a a slightly kind of more rose tinted specs but as it is it's just a a fun shooter to play now and we're full of industries with you know, an industry of absolutely thousands of just good fun shooters to play. So I don't think I could recommend MDK necessarily over a thousand other shooters, but um, I enjoyed my time of it. And, uh, and that's pretty good for a 20 year old uh, third person shooter. Uh, aesthetically, I think it's the thing that still sticks out. I think, yeah, the, the cover art is still something I'm always impressed by because he looks like he's this weird sexual the line on top of this MDK logo and it's odd. Um and even in game it he comes off as, as quite a an odd um sniper faced man. Um so yeah overall I think I'm probably with you Leon like it, it it's not remarkable but it's it was still kind of just entertaining. Thanks Tony. Now will Sean's rose tinted spectacles leave us with the most <laughs> glowing appraisal what sex they are. Um I mean yeah like going back to it certainly you know there are sort of apologies you have to make to certain aspects of it but i i definitely still totally enjoy playing it maybe that's because i played it back in the day and mm-hmm. you know there are certain things i i just sort of accept and um sort of don't question or sort of go well, hang on actually this is bad um <laughs> but no I, I i still totally enjoy playing it um you know and as tony's mentioned just the aesthetics uh, it's worth having a look for those alone if nothing else um i think the the things they did with it and especially given the limitations they had at the time are, are pretty fascinating um and yeah just to echo what leon was saying the um the digital foundry video i normally can't stand those but i have been finding the retro ones really interesting especially the one about mdk um it's actually pretty fascinating um 
but yeah, I don't know. I think I just maybe I I, I just sort of romanticize it because it reminds me of a time where larger studios with publishers put things like mm. this out, mm. um, and it wasn't up to indie developers to be imaginative and, and occasionally publishers let these things slip out and then obviously in interplay's case go out of business but um <laughs> there's your answer yeah i don't know i think maybe yeah just uh <laughs> reminds me of a time when when the this sort of thing happened it just it seems like it seems impossible now I yeah think. um it's sort of i think if if something like this was to come out now it would have to be produced by you know like ace team or someone like that yeah um you, you can't imagine a large publisher allowing this <laughs> to happen um and yeah for that reason alone it's just excellent uh, little curio certainly agree with that well said sean just remains for me leon to thank tony and sean anything you want to uh tell our lovely listeners about sean that you're up to at the moment um so mystifyingly i am on two separate but very similar video games podcasts <laughs> one of those is midnight resistance which can be found at midnightresistance.co.uk um, and the other one is the computer game show which is the sort of rebirth of joypod but not um it basically it is just in terms of having me and dave and farley and matt on it um but not michael because he's in america <laughs> yeah, yeah and that can be found at it's at spong.com forward slash something forward slash something else but just go to spong.com and the podcast bit and it's in there indeed i was on a computer game show recently when sean was not so um so yeah. check that one out it was, it was good because well. I, I get to hear you swear oh yeah always, <laughs> yeah you get to hear me swear and it fun. and it was it was obviously it was better because i was on it and you weren't this is me <laughs> trying to do uh comedy arrogance but I'm not, I'm not very good at it. Uh, <laughs> it's because you're normally so sincere. It's just like whoa. I know. Leon, yeah. don't say that. <laughs> uh, it was quite. It was quite fun. It was quite fun swearing um, and yeah. having a go at David Turner. So yeah, check that one out. Computer game show. Yeah. All right. So just to let you know, listeners, that next time in issue 248, it will be the final uh, of our Legend of Zelda podcasts for this year, and it's Phantom Hourglass. Until then.